born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. We're moving right along. So you'll notice here, Paul had the what in Acts chapter 22. Because he knew what God wanted him to do. And he said, I'm going to let you see what great things you must suffer for my name. Now he's going to find out the where and the when. Where is he to go? When is he to do it? And you see, it says about the Holy Spirit sent him. But it also says that the church sent him. You see what he says there in uh, verse 3. When they had fasted and prayed, laid their hands on them and sent them away. Because it was appropriate for the church to put their stamp of approval upon these two young men as they go into the ministry. I have ordained people in the past. Not a lot, because it says, lay your hands suddenly upon no man. And that's not talking about hitting them. It's talking about approving people for the ministry. Some people can't handle the ministry. They can't take it. Some people can't even handle being a, well, it's a deacon or an elder or a, preacher or a missionary. You see, if, if I was the devil, I'd always go after the leaders. And the devil's going to work on you. See, he can let you alone. But buddy, when you say, I'm, in, I'm, I'm getting into the arena, but that's when you're going to get beat up. That's when you're going to get your nose blooded. That's when you're going to get some cracked ribs. That's when you're going to hurt. People are going to say things. And but you'd be surprised the mental battle you'll go through because the devil doesn't read your mind, but he can inject thoughts into your mind, and he'll have you thinking everything in the world. And that's why you have to even guard your thoughts to discern whether they are they of God. Where, where am I getting all these thoughts from? Satan will cause you to have such great moments of oppression. He can't possess you, but he can really make an impression. And you become oppressed because of it. And then greatly depressed because of it. So he's always working. And some people can't handle the pressure. Because it is pressure. You have no idea. I do. But you wouldn't. Unless you've been a pastor. I know the pressure that Dr. Hank Lindstrom had to work and minister under. I know what it's like. We've done pretty much the same type of ministry for so many years. So we know what each other has gone through. And you'd be surprised. This is why sometimes preachers like to have a, a time to get together with other preachers because they cry on each other's shoulders. 
because they know what everybody else is going through. And sometimes you'll hurt, and some people think that the little comments they make, that it doesn't bother like you don't have any feelings. I hurt. I bleed. But I had a, a birthday card from a missionary in Brazil, the Torres. And she says, one thing I remember that you said, you said, always serve the Lord as though you've never been hurt. Because you'll let your hurt stop you from serving the Lord. It'll keep you from loving other people. Because you can't afford to let the hurt turn into bitterness. Because it does, and it affects your attitude. As you read the book of Acts, you'll find out these are people just like you and me. And they needed somebody. Remember over in the book of Romans in chapter 10 where it talks about how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Sent. So that's what the church was doing. Sending them forth meant they were standing behind them and financially supporting them. This is why I have been so blessed in this ministry that we decided to take on a few missionaries to see whether or not would we have enough interest to support a couple missionaries. And I would hoping that we would have enough on a monthly basis that we could give them at least $50 a month. Well, this last year, we've got four missionaries, and we gave them over $208 a month for each one. And so... That's starting with zero, and the interest is there. And so there's people that are really blessed because we, we're sending them. They're representing our church in Trinidad, over in India, down in Brazil. I would love to have it when we have missionaries that come out of our church See, this is why the church did this for Paul and Barnabas. That's why they were missionaries. That's why they could go and start all those churches because somebody was paying for it. And there were times when he says, nobody gave us anything. And we had to make tents in order to pay our way. They did whatever it took. So serving the Lord is a battle. It's not a piece of cake. They had to go through so much hardship just to get the gospel to these other places. And we see ourselves sometimes doing the same thing. But just look where they went and how they went. You see there in verse 4, So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost. See, the church listened to the Lord. The Lord is the one who calls. It's the church that will send. And so we are supposed to believe that God has called these individuals to go to these places. And we want to be used to be a help to them. That's why I'm so sold on missions, on missionary work. There wouldn't be a church here today if Hank Lindstrom didn't believe in missionary work and came over here to Tampa. There wouldn't have been that work in Colorado or the Dare to Share and so many other things going on if I did not do the work of a missionary and went to Colorado and started a Bible study with two kids. And then to see it grow. Because you see, that's what you're doing. You're getting the gospel out. Missionaries that aren't soul winners here won't be soul winners there. 3,000 miles won't make you a soul winner. That's why you only want to support soul winners. But he makes a statement here in verse 4. They departed unto Seleucia. 
and this was a seaport, and uh, it was the place called down in verse 5, Salomon. Uh, this was the capital of Cyrus. So they went to Cyprus, and it was an island. It was the hometown of Barnabas. And it says in verse 5, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they also had John to their minister. So John Mark has gone with them. And they preached the gospel and they went to the synagogues. Now, even though it was a small island, synagogues mean there was more than one. In many towns, there was only one synagogue. And they would go there and on the Sabbath day, they would be able to um, attend and hope they'd get a chance to say something. Well, sometimes they would. See, they're in verse um, 14. Just look in verse 14. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. After the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, Ye men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. That would be like us this morning saying, anybody like to give a word of testimony, go ahead. And sometimes we've done that a lot of times. But wouldn't it have been a shame? The Apostle Paul, they go to the synagogue, and then the, the speaker got up here and says, would anybody like to say a word? And everybody just, not me, not me. I need two weeks to prepare. You should be ready at the drop of a hat to give a testimony. Nobody should have to pull a testimony out of you. If they do, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. And I love you, but I'm ashamed of any person who can't get up and give a testimony of what Jesus Christ means to them or how they came to know Christ as their Savior. How do you know you're going to heaven? and you haven't got the courage or the guts to stand up and say something, well, I'm afraid. Why? Of who? Who means more to you than anything else in the whole world? Jesus Christ died for me, gave me eternal life, made me his child, gave me the free gift of eternal life, and I'm going to heaven when I die, and I'm not going to shut my mouth. I've been talking for 50 years. It's the most important thing you can ever do. And you may only get a minute. You can't say anything about that. My name is Ralph Arnold. I trusted Christ as my Savior. And I know I'm going to heaven when I die. Because it says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Thank you. And sit down. You can't say that. You don't know one verse in the Bible? My name is Ralph Arnold. I trusted Christ as my Savior. Because the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You, you can't do that. You won't do it. Not that you can't. You won't. Now, one day you and I are going to stand before the Lord, and you'll find out how many opportunities God gave to us, but we wouldn't take advantage of them. Because we're more afraid of people what they might say or do, what they might think about me. It's all about me, 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 me. And you don't think about somebody might hear that verse and trust Christ as their Savior. The Apostle Paul went where he could. 
waited for the opportunity. And then look what it says. If any have a word of exhortation for the people, say on, then Paul stood up and he said something. Then Paul stood up. That's why God used him. He says in the book of Timothy, I was faithful, and that's why God put me in the ministry. I was faithful. God put me into the ministry. Don't you want God to use you? He's called. Do you hear? You see, God does that when he's talking about salvation. He also does it when he's talking about service. When you heard the gospel, that's how God called you. He called you through that message. You say, I heard that he loves me. He died on the cross. He paid for my sins. I trust him as my Savior. I have eternal life. I heard it. He that heareth my word and believeth on him hath everlasting life and shall not in the future come into condemnation. Okay, that's for salvation. That gave you eternal life. You're going to heaven. Now, God's also through his word, he's calling you for service. Say, will you serve me? Will you serve me? Isaiah says in chapter 6, Here am I, Lord, send me. Here am I, Lord, send me. Sometime I read that, and I'm not sure if that's Jesus Christ up in heaven, when God says, Who shall go for us? And Jesus says, Here am I, send me. Possibility, but I don't know. A little Yankeeology there, maybe. But all this is so important, because you can when you read it, don't just read through the scriptures and you don't get nothing from it. Think about where it's at. Try to visualize in your mind them on this island and they're going here and this is what's happening and that happens and so forth. And it says that in verse 6, uh, when they had gone through the isle under Paphos. Now this was, like I said, on the west side of the island of Cyprus, about 100 miles across the thing. And it says um, uh, they found a certain sorcerer. Now, the word sorcerer, it comes from the same word like Magi over in the book of Matthew and so forth. And it means a wise person. It can be a, a heathen, a soothsayer, a magician, or a wise man. And, of course, here it's the guy's a nut. And he says, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus which was with the deputy of the country. Now, the deputy of the country, there's two words. One is like the procurator, and the other one is proconsul. The, a proconsul was like a governor who was under the Senate in Rome. Then you had the procurator. that They were like an administrator under Augustus, Caesar. And so that's what you had in, you know, in Israel like Pilate and others. So this guy was like a governor under the Senate. And evidently he had to be a pretty important man. They've come all the way across this island and they come across this guy because there's a guy there, this man. He wanted to hear a message. And he makes a statement here in verse 7, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and, get this, desired to hear the word of God. So there's a man, an important man on this island, who wants to hear the word of God. And also, there's a man on this island who doesn't want to hear the word of God and doesn't want this man to hear the word of God. 
So he's going to try to do everything he can to keep this man from believing the gospel. Did you realize that as you serve the Lord and you can talk to people, it seems like at the wrong minute the phone will ring, somebody will come to the door, something else will happen, something else will happen, and it seems like it always causes, you know, interruption. And sometimes I'm talking to somebody, and I'll say, Lord, don't let nobody come in right now. Don't let nobody come in right now. Because I know that if somebody comes, they'll, they'll, they'll break their train of thought. And I don't want that to happen. I want to finish what I'm doing. And that's why sometimes you need to learn how to make the gospel simple, but as quick as possible. Because you don't have a lot of time. Don't give the devil a lot of time. And he says here in verse 8, but Ilmas, which is Arabic, meaning wise, the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them and underlined this, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. He doesn't want him to hear it and to believe it. So what happens in verse 10? And he said, oh, well, let me read verse 9 again. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. Now, I would love to have seen that. Where Paul set his eyes on him. I mean really probably set his eyes on him and looked at him. Eyeball to eyeball. And get this. The Holy Spirit directed him. He was filled or controlled by the Holy Spirit. So what he said and what he did was what the Lord wanted him to do. But look what he says here in verse 10. And he said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil. Now, he didn't read the book on Dale Carnegie's book on how to win friends and influence people. He says, Thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing. Now, I want you to look down in verse 12. Then the deputy when he saw, not seeing, and when he saw. You see, one man was blind, and one man could see. There's always, seems like there's something pulling against you. Anytime you have something that you can really enjoy, it seems like the devil is always there to try to strip away what you're doing. And it kind of really messes things up. You see, these churches were started because there was a couple people that says, we, we can do this. You see, there's a lot of people that they start and then they stop, just like John Mark. The, the, and, and then whenever you try to win somebody, there's always going to be some opposition. There's always problems. But you see, you don't serve the Lord when it's all easy and, and there's no opposition, no problem. You've got to do it in the midst of everything. You know, whenever the car breaks down, and somebody comes to fix thing, right then you're thinking about, I could kill this car. If I had a, if I had a stick of dynamite, I'd blow this guy. But then you got to get all that anger out of the way and think, you know, maybe the Lord wants me to talk to this person that's fixing this tire or fixing the car. You never know. There's opportunities God gives to you. That's why if you don't carry tracks on you, it's like walking outside naked. And you ought not walk around naked. And if you get angry and it's always showing, your flesh is showing. You're not properly dressed. That's why you're supposed to dress yourself in the righteous acts of the saints. 
to put on the whole armor of God that you can do the things that God wants you to do, that you might be able to withstand the evil one, the evil eye of the evil one, and the the tricks of the devil. See, you may not have to worry about those snares of the devil if he's already got you, or if you're not doing anything at all. But when you want to serve the Lord, and you make soul winning the issue, you're always going to have problems. L- let me show you this before we close, because this is so important. He says here in verse 11, Now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, and you ought to underline this word, this is what it was all about. This is why the Apostle Paul got in a ship, and they had left from the place of Antioch, went into this country, walked a hundred miles across this country, and came to this one place. There was somebody there that wanted to hear the gospel. And sometimes it seems like you pass up so many to get to one person. God knows what he's doing. And sometimes God can take you that's willing to talk and somebody else that wants to hear. And did you know that God can work in your life, in that person's life, and cause your paths to cross? And lo and behold, contact. And you have been given an opportunity. And sometimes it seems like it's not a a real good one. And sometimes they're they're not going to be. But you've got to be able to take advantage of some of them. You shouldn't lose all of the opportunities. Just get to where you start taking advantage of it. And sometimes it, to build yourself up in your comment, just, just leave a track with somebody. You'd be surprised at how it, you get bold. After a while you say, I can, I can talk to them. I, I can do this. But look what he says here. In verse 13, Now when Paul and his company lose from Paphos, they came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John departed from them, returning to Jerusalem. Some will return and look back. And God says, if a man puts his hand to the plow and looks back, he's not fit for the kingdom of God. It means he's not fit for service. That doesn't mean you can't get fit for service. But you've got to prepare yourself. It's always work. It's always studying. It's, you've got to get involved. The only reason I want you to get involved is because you, you learn. Did you know teaching those little kids in the Awana or Sunday school, did you know you learn to develop a speaking skill? You learn what to say and what not to say. If you can get kids to understand you, that's adults are just big kids. If a little child can understand you, then anybody can understand you. God says, feed my sheep, not my giraffes. You put the food down on the bottom shelf where everybody can understand it. You don't have a hard time understanding me. I don't speak in Hebrew and Greek. I don't use big old fancy words. I talk clearly and simply. And you should be able to understand that. You might have a little twang of Georgia in there, but I mean, that, that comes with the territory. But I want you to experience the wonderful joy of telling people how to go to heaven. One day it'll all be over. All opportunities gone. And when you get to heaven, those people that you led to the Lord or saw, you know, because of what you gave and what you did, there's, a, there's an, a great blessing that's going to be yours. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. 
The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God, he loves us. I want you to learn how to do this. Go home and get in front of the mirror. Practice. But sometimes just close the door and get in front of the mirror and see how you can do this. You know, can you do it right without getting all flustered and forget what it is? I used to watch Dr. Stanford, the one that Dr. Hank and I learned from. Ray would always take his wallet and he'd always throw it. He'd he'd throw it. I was probably one time and I I missed my hand through that thing, clean across the room. I said, now, that's Dr. Stanford. Let him throw the wallet. But I never saw him miss. He, but, he, man, he was good. He would, but he was, you know, he'd throw that wallet. I ain't throwing my wallet. I'll never get it back. This is you and me. This is sin. God says he loves us, not our sin. And he says to pay for what we do wrong is eternal separation from God in hell. He loves us, wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, you have to be perfect, as righteous as God. None of us are perfect. We're all sinners. So God says you cannot save yourself. It's not by works of righteousness that we've done. So you don't have to join the church to go to heaven. You don't have to stop anything or join anything. Because, see, eternal life is a gift. It's free. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord. God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us, but he hates what we do wrong. And he took all the sin of all the world, paid for it on the cross. So he died for you. That means he paid for what you did wrong. It means that you don't have to pay for them because he paid for them. And he only asked you to do one thing, not two, three, one thing. He just says, will you believe I did it for you? If you believe he did it, that he died for you. He paid for your sins, all of them then you don't have to pay for them. I'm going to heaven because I don't have one sin to pay for. Not because I'm good. It's because he paid for all my sins. That's the only reason I'm going to heaven, because he paid for my sins. And he came back from the dead. And he says, if we would simply believe this, it's on a level that anybody can have it. It's free. And God says, when you believe he did it for you, he gives you as a free gift, everlasting life. That's why it says there in verse 12, Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed. He believed. You can be here this morning, and you can hear all that Christ has done for you. Will you believe it? If you believe it, he said, He that believeth on me, that he did that for you, hath, present tense, hath everlasting life. If I offered you my watch and you accepted you'd have a watch, offered you my wallet and you accepted you'd have a wallet, I offered you the microphone, and you accept you'd have a microphone. Christ walks in here and offers you eternal life, and you accept you'd have eternal life. If it's eternal life, it lasts forever. If it lasts forever, and all your sins are paid, then where would you go when you die? To heaven. So can you know you're going to heaven before you die? Of course. Best news in all the world. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here this morning, and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you trust Him? Would you just say in your own mind, Lord, I don't understand it all, but I believe Christ died and paid for my sins, and I'm going to trust him to take me to heaven when I die. And friend, if you'll do that, I'd like to have prayer for you. And so I'm going to ask you if you'll just slip your hand up very quickly, put it right back down. And by that, you mean just pray for me. I will trust Christ as my Savior this morning. And one at all. You that have trusted Christ as your Savior, have you ever started out serving the Lord, then you fail for some reason? And just figured that God can't use you anymore. I want you to remember John Mark. He caused a great division between some great men. 
But later on, God used him to write the Gospel of Mark and used him to be a help in the ministry with the Apostle Paul. Our Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity we have to come before you. You've been so good to us. I want to pray, Lord, that all these things that people could kind of weed out the things that are no good, but the things that are good, and it can help them to be a blessing to them. Cross each one. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have you ever heard that faith without works is dead? Or have you ever read James chapter 2? Does your faith produce good works? Some teach that if you don't serve the Lord, you're not saved. Is that true or false? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book, or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.